so appropriate to what we've been talking about these last two or three weeks, and I appreciate that special music this morning. Uh, Jim and Sherry do have a table uh, out back. If anyone wants more information on their work and whatnot, they will be there after the service this morning. A tourist was uh, visiting the Grand Canyon with his family one afternoon, and uh, they were standing there looking over the Grand Canyon, and the father got rather close to the edge, and he was taking in the beauty of the surroundings. All of a sudden, he toppled over the edge of the Grand Canyon, and he began to fall, and he was kind of banging off the rocks, and he fell for about 50 feet. Finally, he was able to grab onto a, uh, to a bit of a bush that was growing out the side of the rock. And uh, you can imagine this, this man's scared to death, and he's holding on to this little bit of a branch. He's not sure how long it's going to hold on, and uh, suddenly he, he, he decides, you know, he better call for help, and so he calls up, uh, is there anyone up there? Uh, help me, I need help, is there anyone up there? And here's this calm, powerful voice called back down to him, uh, yes, I'm here, how can I help you? And the man, sure, it's God, you know, it sounds like God's voice, whatever that sounds like, and He's got, he's, he says, God, I'm, I, I'm hanging here 50 feet down on the, on the Grand Canyon. I've got a, a mile of open space below me. God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me here. And uh, here's the voice called back down. Uh, I can help you. Uh, I have to ask you a couple of questions first. Uh, first of all, uh, do you believe in me? And the man, yes, God, yes, I believe in you. I believe in you. He says, he says well, do you have faith in me? Do you trust uh, yes, God, I trust you. Yes, I trust you. And that voice calls down. Well, then, the answer is simple. Simply let go of the branch and everything will turn out okay. The man pauses for a minute and looks up. He says, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> now, we smile at that story, but, but, but how many of us do that exact same thing every day. I mean, we say we have faith, right? You know, sure, do I believe? Yes, I believe. Do I have faith? Sure, I have faith. But, but when it comes right down to it, you know, when it comes down to letting go of the branch, uh, this trusting God thing, it's, it's just not easy. Now, we started into a series a couple of weeks ago called Caution, God Working Ahead, and uh, for those of you who weren't here, I know there's been a number of people away and whatnot, but uh, that first week we talked about this idea that God is always working. God is always working, but not just generally. The fact is God is at work in your situation. He's at work in your life. I mean, even right now, here this morning, whatever it is you're going through, God is at work in that. Friends, that's a powerful truth when you get that. To think that God is always working, it may be behind the scenes, I can't see it yet, but still, God is at work. That was the first week. Last week, we talked a bit about the process of how God works, right, from Second Kings, and uh, God has a typical pattern or way of working in our lives, and so we kind of talked about that, and we looked at one of those stories, and encouraged you last week to go home and, you know, kind of find yourself in that process. Where is God working? Where am I in that process? And uh, hopefully some of you did that this past week. But you know, one of the, one of the greatest challenges uh, in any construction project uh, is waiting for the work to be completed. It's waiting for the work to be finished. I mean, it doesn't really 
matter what it is, whether it's a house or a rental or a road repair, uh, the process of waiting is just flat out hard. That, that's hard to do. And, and I would suggest to you this morning that it's, it's really no different when it comes to God's construction work in our lives either. I mean, it's great to know that God's always working. That's, that's good to know. And it's good to know that God has a typical way of working, and I, and I think that helps. But, but, you know, still, the real challenge, for me at least, uh, is in the waiting process. It's like I've fallen over the edge of the Grand Canyon, and I'm, and I'm hanging on for dear life in my situation, and I'm waiting on God to answer, but I don't see Him working yet. And that's hard. That place is just hard, isn't it? Some of you are there. You, you know that, that feeling. And my question this morning is really, um, what do I do then while I'm, while I'm in that place? While I'm waiting for God to work? What do I do while the construction process is, is ongoing in this particular area of my life? It's like I've, I've lost my job. And I'm not sure what I should do right now while I'm waiting. Or I've got this family situation and it's, it's tearing me apart. And I, I know God's already at work on that. I, I realize that he is. But, but what am I supposed to do while I'm waiting on him to finish his work? Or I've been pouring my life into some area of ministry. And I've come up against a bit of a snag here. And... I'm just not sure what I should be doing next. And I know God is already working. He's, he, he's at work, but I also feel like I need to be doing something in this situation. But I'm not sure uh, what it is. I'm, I mean, bottom line, how do I keep going while I'm waiting on God to work? Some of us are right there this morning. I know it. In some ways, I am in my own life. What should I do while I'm waiting on God to do his work in this situation. Well, I believe I found three things this morning that will help us with that, and they're right out of God's Word, and they're found in the book of Proverbs. Uh, but before we just jump right into, the, uh, into this thing, I, I think it's first of all important to understand uh, what it is you have in front of you uh, when you open your Bible to the book of Proverbs. You see, what, what often happens, what I often find when it comes to Proverbs is this. A person will be going through something in their life. They'll be facing this hard situation. And they don't know what to do with it. And so eventually they decide, you know what, maybe I should give God a shot at this thing. Maybe, maybe I should read my Bible. I, I, I don't do this often, but maybe I should read it this time. And so they grab a Bible, and they happen to tear it open to about the center, and it just happens to open up to the book of Proverbs. And so they get reading along through the Proverbs, and it's like they read something there, and it's like, wow, that's, that's my deal right there. And it says this, and it says that God will do that. And so they, they tear that thing out of their Bible, or they put it on a note card, and they stick it up in their fridge, and it's like every day they walk by that thing, and they said, yep, God's going to do that. Look, God, you better come through for me here, God. You promised, you promised, got this right out of Proverbs, God. You better do this. So let me just clarify something right up front here. This book is called uh, Proverbs, all right? It's not called Promises. Maybe just say that with me so we can clear up this confusion right at the front. This is called Proverbs. Say that with me. This is called Proverbs. This is called Proverbs. It's not called Promises, all right? This is called the book of Proverbs. You can't take these things as a 
every one of them is a promise from God. You, you can't do that. This is Proverbs. It's not promises. But now having brought that clarity, let me just muddy the water a little bit by saying that sometimes, sometimes a proverb is a promise. Sometimes a proverb is a promise. I can read something out of Proverbs and I can take that thing to the bank. This is promise by God. You say, well, that's really helpful. How am I supposed to know the difference, you know? And the answer to that is, is really quite simple. Listen, if a proverb expresses a truth that's found somewhere else in Scripture, then it's a promise, and you can count on that. As long as it's supported somewhere else in God's Word, you can count on it. Some of the proverbs are given simply as a proverb. They're, they're general, but they're not guarantees. But if it's found somewhere else in God's Word, it's a promise. It's this idea of allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture. Friends, if we could get that basic hermeneutic when it comes to understanding God's Word, I'm telling you, it would, it would, it would clear up a whole lot of confusion in the body of Christ. I believe that with all my heart. That Scripture needs to interpret Scripture. In other words, I'm reading something here in, uh, in the book of 2 Kings, and, and I think it means this. Well, that's fine, but does it tie in then with the rest of Scripture? If, if that's what that means, is that, is that in agreement with the rest of God's Word? Because if it's not, then something's out of line in my interpretation, allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture. need to make sure that, that what we read in the, in the book of, uh, of Proverbs corresponds with, with, with something somewhere else. Now, Having said that, let me just assure you this morning that what we're going to look at today, I could preach from a number of places in the Bible. Um, but I believe uh, nowhere is it, is it more clearly stated than in the pro- book of Proverbs. So I'm going to use that for my text this morning. And uh, this is where we're going, Proverbs chapter 3. And I just encourage you to get a copy of God's Word open in front of you. If you open it in the middle, you'll probably be there. If you're in Psalms, just go a little bit to the right. In Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, we're going to two very familiar verses this morning. Many of you will uh, know these off by heart. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Now, how many of you have heard those verses before? Almost all of you. How many have that verse, those memorized? You, you just love those. You got, yeah, a number of you have those, those verses memorized. But you know, these, these two verses um, couldn't be more practical for our lives. And I believe they're going to help us this morning answer this question, uh, what am I to do while I'm waiting on God to finish His work? And the first practical action step is this, I need to continue to trust God completely even while the construction process is happening. I need to continue to trust God completely. That's exactly what it says here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now let's just break that down a little bit, all right? First, that word trust. Now, in order to really understand biblical trust, I think it's helpful to get a definition on the table here. Um, What is this biblical term, uh, trust? I mean, it's repeated over and over again in Scripture. Um, Here's a couple of references. Isaiah 26, 4, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. 
Uh, Psalm 115, verses 9, 10, and 11, all three of them three times, uh, trust in the Lord. Even Jesus there, uh, John 14, 1, uh, trust in God, trust also in me. But, but, but what's that mean? What's he talking about? What's that word trust really mean? Well, here in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word is uh, batak, batak. Now, it's Hebrew, right? So you've got to have a lot of phlegm in your throat when, when you say that. And uh, I know you're just all dying to try that, so, uh, so, so why don't we do this? Just don't spit on the person in front of you, okay? So get a little bit of a, you know, you need a little bit of hawk there. And uh, here's how it goes. Let's try this together. Uh, batak, batak. That's, uh, that's the word. That's the word. There, you learned some Hebrew today. Uh, and, and, what, and what batak means uh, uh, is to be confident or sure uh, to fully rely on, to put oneself fully at the mercy of another. Literally, that word means to lie helpless, face down on the ground. In other words, it means that I become fully dependent on what I'm trusting in. Now, to help us understand this, I just wrote down three truths here about trust uh, that'll maybe help to bring some clarity. The first one is this. Uh, trust begins with a choice. Trust begins with a choice. I must first choose to trust. You see, when it comes to trust, I'm always involved in the decision. Either I choose it or I don't choose it. Always. Either I choose it or I don't choose it. Trust begins with a choice. Number two, trust grows over time. Begins with a choice, but it grows over time. Now just think about this for a second. Uh, you get into bed last night. How many of you uh, pushed down on that bed... Uh, how many of you crawled around underneath the bed to make sure that it would hold you, to make sure that the legs were good? Uh, anybody do that? Unless you got a brand new bed. No, no one would do that, right? You don't do that. You just automatically trust that thing. Why is that? Why do you just automatically, how do you know it's going to hold you tonight? Well, you know because you've laid in that thing for the last how many years, right? I mean, it grows over time. That's the way trust works, develops over time. Now, God knows that. God knows that's the way it works. He knows it begins with, with a choice. He knows that it's going to grow over time. And, and I think that's why he puts these kind of verses in, in, in his book. Uh, Malachi 3.10. Look, look at what he says here. He says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have not have room enough for it. In other words, God's like, just try me in this. Test me. Try me. Make it a choice to begin to trust. It grows over time. I know that. So test me. Take a chance. Give me a try. Give me an opportunity, God says, to prove that I'm really trustworthy in this. Test me. Psalmist puts it this way. Taste and see that God is good. Taste and see. In other words, make a choice to begin. Put on the blindfold. Do the taste test. Taste, and then you'll see that I'm good. Because trust grows over time. It doesn't happen automatically. It begins with a choice, but it grows over time. Taste and see. Well, trust is a choice. It grows over time. Make note of this third thing. Trust involves action. Trust involves action. thought a little illustration might help here this morning, and I need some help with this. I need six strong guys. 
uh, people that I can trust uh, to come on up here and give me a little hand with this idea that trust begins with an action. I'm going to throw you, show you all three. I'm going to show you all three of these points um, uh, with, with one illustration, all right? So I need six guys that I can trust. James, you'll do. Uh, Dale, come on up. Thank you for volunteering. Uh, Bill, you would be great. Uh, Dave Foster would be another one. I kind of trust him a little bit. Rick, way over there at the side, come on up here. You're now into the sermon. Uh, Larry, come on up here and join me, please. And I promise you I won't embarrass you, but I need your help this morning. I want you all to line up here, three on each side, facing each other, and, and join your hands together like this, okay? Hold, uh, holding tightly, I would, I would recommend that you hold tightly. Uh, come on up this way, come on up nice and close to me. Uh, keep your hands down low, and here's the way this is going to work. I'm going to turn around backwards, and I'm going to begin to trust you guys. I'm going to begin to take a step. We didn't practice this ahead of time, and I'm just hoping that this works. And I'm hoping that I can trust you. Uh, but I'm going to begin to trust. Trust takes a beginning point, right? We, we have to begin to trust. Trust involves an action. So I'm going to begin to do that action. It, 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 it begins. You have to have a beginning point. It grows over time. If I would do this six or eight times, it's going to be easy. This first time, not so easy, because trust grows over time. It's going to take some time to grow. It involves an action. I'm going to turn around. And I want you guys to catch me. Put your arms down low. And I'm going to fall backward. And I hope you, you guys are going to catch me, right? You are going to catch me, all right? Don't leave me hanging here. Begins with a choice. I choose to do this, crazy or not. Um, it, it grows over time. If we do this more, it'd be OK. But this is the first time. Uh, it involves action. Here we go, guys. Hang on to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you. They, um, they're a trustworthy bunch. But you know what? I would trust you a whole lot more if we did that again. I'd feel much better the second time around. Why? Because trust grows over time. Begins with a choice, grows over time. Trust always involves action. Uh, thanks, guys, for helping me with that. Um, so that's what the word trust looks like. That's, that's trust in a nutshell. That's, that's what trust looks like. Now, notice the next part here. It says, I'm to put that kind of trust. Notice, what's it say? Who am I to put that trust in? Who, 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 do I, who do I trust like that? In the Lord, right? In the Lord. Now, friends, I'll be candid with you for a second. Um, when I truly look at the experience of my own life, too often this is the last thing I do. I'll just be, I'll be straight up with you. I mean, think about it for a minute. We put our trust in all kinds of other things, don't we? Trust in our bank account. I'm trusting my financial resources. I'm trusting my investment strategy. I'm trusting in my setup. I think I got a good setup, so I think I'll be okay. I trust in my bank account. Uh, for some of us, it's, you know, I'm putting my trust in my spouse or my children. Uh, I'm counting on them to make me happy to bring joy into my life. Or listen, for some of us, um, we even put our trust in our religious system or our, our, our church. And, and I'm counting on that thing. And if it doesn't work, I mean, if Heisey Hill, heaven forbid, if Heisey Hill was ever to close his doors, I don't know what I'd do. I just don't know where I'd go. I, I mean, if they change things too much, I, I, I just don't know what I would do because I'm trusting in that system. My faith is in that system and that way of doing things one that's popular today is this idea of trusting in in fate or 
destiny. Lots of people doing this. It's like we all have a destiny, and I'm just putting my trust in that thing that, 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 that it'll all work out, you know? But see, ultimately, the problem with all of those is that they are just not certain. I mean, things change. Friends, well, sometimes friends disappoint us. Sometimes family disappoints us occasionally. And finances, well, that's pretty clear over the last number of months, isn't it? I mean, things can change pretty quickly. And so what it's saying here is that if I want something solid, something that's sure, something that I can put my full weight on, especially, listen, especially when my situation's in that construction process, when it's messy around me, when I'm up to my waist in mud in my life, friends, listen, what I need to be doing in that place is continuing to put my trust in God wholeheartedly. You say, well, is he really trustworthy? I mean, I I can't even see God. You know, these guys I could see. I I can't see God. Uh, How can I trust somebody that I don't see? And uh, first of all, let me remind you that we do it all the time. I mean, uh, you know, some of you took a flight this summer. Did you happen to see the pilot? Uh, I, I never see the pilot anymore, very rarely. And yet I trust that guy. Uh, you get on the GO train every day. You get on the subway. Do you, do you go up and make sure the drivers meet? No, you don't. You don't need to see that guy. You trust in his qualifications. Friends, it's the same way with God. I trust God because I know his qualifications. I've, I've, I've seen him do this kind of stuff before, and so I, I, I put my faith in God. Uh, here's a better reason. Listen to what God's word says. Uh, know this, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know this, uh, God your God is God indeed. A God you can depend on. A God you can count on. He keeps his covenants. Listen to the promise of 1 uh, Corinthians 1.9. God will do this for, for he is faithful to do what he says. God is faithful to do what he says. Again there in Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold tightly, hold on uh, without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. In other words, God is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. The question is, will I act on what I know? You see, the measure of whether I'm doing this or not, it's not found in theological answers. It's found in the way that I live my life. It's found in my actions. It's like I choose to trust in this situation, even though it would spare me a whole lot of pain, Because in doing what's right, I trust God to bring a good result. So I make this choice. It's like I choose to forgive that person. Even though that's the last thing I want to do, it's the hardest thing I will ever do, I choose to forgive that person because I know in doing what was right, God promises a good result. Or how about this? How about this? How about I choose to buy uh, the CD or, or the software? Or the DVD. I, I, I choose to actually pay for it rather than just get somebody to, to pirate me a copy. And, and that doesn't make any sense because money's tight and I can get the free copy, I can get that thing for free, but I choose, I choose to buy it. I choose to do what's right because God promises a good result. You say, well, that, you know, that sounds good enough, but in all honesty, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, who would do that? Why would I do that? Money's tight. If I can get the thing for free, why would you pay for it? 
You get somebody to do it for free. Just makes so much sense to me. I don't know why anybody buys software or CDs or any of it. Just make, you can get them all for free. Just makes sense, right? Or to lie in this situation. It just makes sense to lie, you know? It's, it's easier. It saves a whole lot of pain. It saves a whole lot of hurt. It's an easy thing to do. It doesn't make sense for me to do anything else. That's where you need the next part. Notice it says, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, some of, you are, some of you are like, well, why wouldn't I lean on my own understanding? You know, God gave me a brain, and I gave me the ability to figure things out. And uh, I mean, why did God create us with the capacity to think if he doesn't want us to understand things, if he doesn't want us to think things through? Uh, notice, first of all, I, I don't read anywhere here where it says you're not to understand or to grow in understanding. I, I, it doesn't say that. In fact, I believe God is all for us using our minds and growing in wisdom and making wise decisions and planning and setting visions and all those kinds of things. I believe God's for that. And when God's working on something in your life and He's doing construction in some area of your life and you don't know what to do and the situation's all messed up, I believe with all my heart that we need to be thinking that thing through. We do need to do that. We should be using our heads. We should be seeking wise counsel. We should use common sense. I believe that. But friends, listen. Listen, what it says here in Proverbs, and what I so want you to get this morning is this. Don't lean on that. Don't put all your eggs in the common sense basket. Don't lean on that. Because friends, listen, I promise you, there's going to be times in your life when God is going to do stuff that you just do not understand why this is happening. And as hard as you try to figure that thing out and use common sense and reason, you're not going to be able to figure it out. And it's in that place, listen, it's in that place that you need the truth of this verse. It's in that place that God says, look, here I'm asking you to lean on me. That you trust me. Even though this doesn't make sense right now. You see, so often, as Wearsby says, we, we try and sell common sense with God's name on it. And so we put our plan in place, and we've got this thing all laid out, and we know exactly how we're going to do this, and it makes sense, and so God must be in it. And we try and sell common sense with God's name on it. It's like, I know what's best in this situation. I know what I need to do here. In fact, I know what you should be doing. I know what you should be doing because it makes sense. I know what God would want in this situation. I, I, I know what God would want to do because it, it, it makes sense. Friends, listen, we need to be very careful with those words. God doesn't always make sense. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. Seems right. Seems like what I should do. Seems like what I need to say in this situation. You see, that's why it's so important that we're leaning on God while we're waiting on Him to work. Because sometimes in the middle of it there, it just, it's not going to make any sense. It just isn't. In fact, the exact opposite of what's happening right now would make a whole lot more sense to me than, than what's actually happening. And in that place, we need to continue to trust God completely. We need to lean on Him entirely. And notice this third thing. We need to acknowledge Him in everything. Verse 6, in all your ways, 
in all your ways acknowledge him. Now we're usually pretty good at acknowledging God on Sunday mornings. I mean, we get up and we go to church and we're all about acknowledging God here this morning, aren't we? Isn't that why we came? But let me ask you, friends, um, what about when you leave here? What about when tomorrow morning comes? What about when you walk out of church and uh, tomorrow morning you stop and you get your double-double at Tim Hortons and you pull back out onto the 400 and you realize they didn't put any sugar in it? How good, I, how good am I at acknowledging God in that situation? Or what about when somebody accuses me of something I didn't do? How do I respond to that? Do I even remember the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Do I acknowledge that in my thinking? How, how, how do I respond? Maybe, maybe God's trying to teach me something through this accusation. How do I respond to that? Or I just, do I just go off in a rant and, you know... How do I handle that? What about in the situation where the crowd's not real receptive to this whole acknowledging God thing? My job's pretty easy up here because for the most part you are here to learn and you trust in that. But what about when you're faced with a situation um, you know, where the crowd's just not buying that? They're just not into that thing. I was amazed. I went to Luke and Vanessa Shropshire's wedding a few days ago, and Luke got up there to give a speech at the reception. And uh, folks, not everybody there was into this whole acknowledging God thing. They, they just weren't. There were some that weren't. And, uh, but you know what? For Luke, it didn't matter. It, it, it didn't matter. He, he, just, he just laid it out there. I mean, he wasn't ashamed of the fact that he was a follower of Jesus Christ and God had done some things in his life and he was going to base this marriage on what God wanted for his marriage. And I mean, he just, he, he just, he was going to honor God in his decisions. He, he just laid it out there. And I almost felt like saying, you know, partway through it, it's like, hey, Luke, buddy, these, some of these guys aren't buying this. They're not into this whole acknowledging God thing. You know, you need to, you need to back it off a bit. But he was doing this verse. He was acknowledging God in all his ways. Didn't really matter what it was. God was going to be first in it. And he was just acknowledging God. Or how about this? You're, you're standing there ready to sign the deal for that new car. Or the job offer comes along. You've just been handed a new job offer. Or it's a business deal at work. This applies to lots of you guys here. It's a business deal. It's a business deal. What do I do with that? Or I've come to a crisis point in my dating life. What do I do with that? Do I acknowledge God? See, friends, listen, nothing has nothing to do with God. Did you know that? Nothing has nothing to do with God. And the question is, what am I going to do in those moments? It just seems to me that so much heartache in our lives could be avoided if we got this acknowledging God thing down before we wrote the check, before we made the decision, before I get into the mess. I mean, just think about it for a second, friends. Think about this. How many marriages, think about this, how many marriages would be different today if those two people or one of those people had chosen to acknowledge God before they made the decision to get married? Now, that's a scary thought. And, and I'll be up front with you. I don't think it matters. After you're in the situation, God can still work it out for his glory. I, I'm not saying that, but I wonder. 
How many situations would be different if I acknowledged God before I made the choice? Think about it. Do you ask those kinds of questions? God, is this the right person for me? Are we both on the same wavelength when it comes to our faith? God, is she right for me? Or how different would our finances be if we acknowledge God before we wrote the check? It's like, God, do I really need this? Should I really buy this? Is the timing right? Is this what you want for me, God? Should I really be doing this now? Is it right time to do this? But no, we just go ahead and we spend the money. And two years later, once our finances are all messed up, we come crying to God and we say, God, you've got us in such a mess here. How in the world am I ever? You've got to get me out of this, God. You've got a week to do it. So much of it a result of not acknowledging God when I made the decisions. Friends, listen, everything we do, every choice we make, God wants to be involved in that. That's what it means, acknowledging Him in all your ways, all of it. So many of us in business, and I know when I was in business, I'd prefer to leave God out of this acknowledgement because I know what I was doing over here, He really wouldn't approve of anyway. We need to acknowledge Him. And when we do that, Here's the promise, here's the promise, here's the good news. Conditional on those first three things. Trust Him completely, lean on Him entirely, acknowledge Him in all things. And when we do that, what's His promise to you and I this morning? Let's just say that together. What's, what's, what's our promise in this? Why would we do this? What's it say? What will He do? He will make your paths straight. In other words, He'll see us through to completion. He'll lay down some pavement for you to walk on. Not going to be easy, but it will be straight. If I lean on Him, if I trust Him, if I acknowledge Him, He'll he'll keep me on that right path. And you know the really cool part about this is, and you see it on the roads all the time, um, you'll be driving along a little while later, you've been so frustrated with that construction project, you'll be driving along a little while later, and they've got the sign up, you know, completed fall 2009 or whatever it is. Friends, God can do that in your life. He does that in our lives. He's working in our lives. He's doing construction. And someday you'll look back on that area of your life that was so messed up and you'll smile and say, yeah, there's the sign. Project completed, fall 2009. Friends, I know it's hard for some of you right now. I know that. And you're wondering, you know, can I really trust God with what I'm going through? Can I really trust Him? Friends, listen, the, Proverbs, or the promise of Proverbs 3 is, it's an overwhelming yes. It's an overwhelming yes. Yes, you can trust Him. And I don't know when, and I don't know how, but I know that God's going to come through in your situation. And so I just challenge you this morning, keep trusting, keep leaning, keep acknowledging, and allow God to direct your path. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise of your word. And Lord, I pray these verses that are so familiar to our ears. I think they have to be the hardest ones for us to get, Lord. They become just words on a, on a sticky note. Lord, would you help us to get this this morning? 
for those of us who are going through difficult, challenging things, and that probably includes most of us here this morning. Lord, help us to realize that in this, I need to continue to trust you. I need to continue to lean on you, God, because it doesn't make sense to me. It honestly doesn't make sense. And so I'm going to lean my weight on you, God. And I'm going to trust in you, God. And I'm going to continue to acknowledge you in all those things. Forgive us for those times when we leave you out. Lord, we claim the promise of your word this morning that you will continue to lead us and you'll make our path straight and you will take us safely home with you one day. In Jesus' name, amen.